the world we're living in right now is not the one we would have predicted five months ago. And yet, some of it feels like it was a long time coming. I'm Colleen Phelps, and this is Classically Speaking. Right now, protests continue following the death of George Floyd, but it's not just about George Floyd. It's about years and generations of unfair treatment, something that classical music institutions have in their own way been a part of by marginalizing voices that are not white and not male. And Classically Speaking isn't going to ignore this moment in history. Some classical podcasts that feature Black creators are already covering the topic. And you should listen to those voices first. We'll point you in the right direction at the end of this episode. Meanwhile, here in Music City, we continue to face a set of social crises that we can't concert our way out of. Our identity is music. And right now we need it. So some groups of musicians are finding new ways to deliver the goods. You may have seen videos of choirs singing together virtually on social media. They look a little bit like they've joined the Brady Bunch with everyone in their little square. As effortless as those videos look, they're actually pretty difficult to pull off. These are members of Nashville Notes. Teenagers looking right at the camera, singing from memory, an arrangement this time by 91 Classical Student Composer Fellow Isaac Herrenbrook. Composite video performances like this one provide an opportunity for creativity in a time when concerts just aren't possible. But behind those squares lies hours of technical work partially because there's latency between guests on a video call. My church choir demonstrated this by trying to sing together one night. That fraction of a second of latency, it doesn't make a huge difference when you're talking, but half a beat here and half a beat there, and pretty soon your singing is way off. First thing I thought was, they're going to have to be on mute. There's no way that I can hear what it is that they're doing. Nashville Symphony Chorus Director Tucker Biddlecombe has experience with all facets of the virtual choir. He's rehearsed the symphony chorus this way for a few months. He records the accompaniment, presses play, and conducts along. So essentially what I knew Zoom rehearsals were going to be was just sort of guided practice. But there was engagement. Members of the choir would ask questions in the comments and even own up to their mistakes and ask to hear the passage again. I was actually really impressed with them. And it, it, I think it's indicative of the fact that we have a, an open, strong culture in the room, is that they felt, you know, secure enough to be able to say, I made a mistake at this spot. Can we do that again? The virtual rehearsal takes work, Biddlecombe says, but even more difficult are the virtual performances where all the audio lines up and sounds flawless. These are the kinds of videos you see on social media. They're not actually a new concept. LA-based composer Eric Whitaker's first virtual choir performed Luke's Arumque in March of 2010, about a year before Zoom even existed. So how did they do it? There's one big trick to know. It's not live. The director creates an audio file that combines accompaniment and a click track in some form, something to sing with. And then this gets combined with video of a conductor still helping with entrances and expression. 
Tucker Biddlecombe's wife, Mary, directs the Blair Children's Chorus, and he helped them put together their spring concert this way. Full disclosure, my son is in that choir. Children's Chorus members recorded themselves on video singing their own part and put it in a Dropbox. Biddlecombe then had all the material to put together a performance. We got those compiled over the course of about a week and a half. Biddlecombe synced up the audio first, matching the levels of volume appropriately. Then he could edit the videos separately with no sound, make sure the mouths moving were coordinated, and then put it together in two big pieces. I would say for about a minute of content, it took me about two hours of editing. There were how many minutes of singing? The concert was 38 minutes Results were overwhelming too. The concert video only stayed public for 24 hours, but it was watched 4,000 times. So Biddlecombe says the work was worth it. Really powerful for the students, really powerful for the parents. And then it's something they can go back and watch again, and they can send to their grandparents, and they can send to people who otherwise would never come to concerts like that. One day, choirs will be together in the same room again. But in this digital performance space, technology is a new virtuoso skill. While those video, choir, and orchestra concerts are not live, one group of students has found a new audience for live concerts over Zoom. At Vanderbilt's Blair School of Music, the lights are off, the doors are closed, and the rooms are quiet. With end-of-year recitals canceled, Blair Academy students have refocused their energy on performing for senior citizens across the country. Professor Zach Eben is leading the charge. I have three siblings, and a bunch of nieces and nephews, and after everything got shut down, we decided to get all the children together to do a concert for my parents. So he thought other adults might like to see some kids perform too. Now, Eben and a group of students from the Blair Academy, that pre-college program at Vanderbilt, are organizing two concerts a week for local nursing home Abe's Garden, as well as individuals all over the country. I play for a concert that is for old people from Abe's Gardens. Logan Harris is the youngest performer in the program. He's five and a half. I played Minuet 2, Minuet 1, and Allegretto. It started with a few string players. Now there are flutists and pianists, plus college students from Blair School of Music have started to participate as their semester had already ended. They recently even added Florida to the list of states that they have provided an audience. It's a little strange for the students at first, playing for an audience that's on a screen, but after the first piece... The initial awkwardness dissipates, and the students are always asked to play more. And at that moment, it goes beyond just a video of a concert. Now it's a performance. These concerts have been an amazing experience for me. That's student violinist Nora Wang. She's a rising senior at Harpeth Hall, and she's been helping organize these performances. She said these concerts have been a welcome opportunity to give something to her community without leaving her house. It's really nice to play for people who really appreciate what you're doing and have a respect for classical music. At Eben's last estimate, they put on at least 30 concerts. He's not sure how many because the project is now so popular that many students have started performing on their own. I hope 
people just see the power of music to bring us together and generate community, even in a situation where we can't see each other face to face. Evan says these students are building skills that will eventually transfer to when the students are able to play live again. Skills you can't learn in a practice room, audience connection, and making the music personal. Before we wrap up this episode of Classically Speaking, as promised, I want to point you to a couple of podcast episodes that hit on the subject of Black Lives Matter and classical music. First, Triloquy hosts Garrett McQueen and Scott Blankenship took a look at Joel Thompson's choral orchestral work, The Seven Last Words of the Unarmed, in the overture to Triloquy's second season. Also, a recent episode of Classically Black, hosted by Katie Brown and Delaney Harris, is called I Can't Breathe Again. We'll link to those episodes in the show notes. Classically Speaking is a production of Nashville Public Radio's 91 Classical. The show is edited by Anita Bug and Nina Cardona, and engineering assistance comes from Mac Leinbaugh and Carl Peterson. The times, they are a-changing, so subscribe while we watch and hear music history being made. I'm Colleen Phelps. Thanks for using your backstage pass to Nashville's classical music, Classically Speaking. Classically Speaking.